Welcome and hello. My name is Dawn Eshelman and I'm head of programs at the Rubin Museum of Art in Chelsea, New York City. While our museum is temporarily closed and during these uncertain times, we want to stay connected with you. And we will be sharing previously recorded meditation sessions to do so. We'll also be sharing in the coming weeks a new offering that we'll release here on the podcast and that similarly blends art, ideas, and practice inspired by our collection. We hope you enjoy and we look forward to, as soon as we are able, returning to our regular mindfulness meditation program. Thanks. Welcome to the Mindfulness Meditation Podcast, presented by the Rubin Museum of Art. We are a museum in Chelsea, New York, that connects visitors to the art and ideas of the Himalayas and serves as a space for reflection and transformation. I'm your host, Dawn Eshelman. Every Monday, we present a meditation session inspired by a different artwork from the Rubin's collection and led by a prominent meditation teacher from the New York area. This podcast is a recording of our weekly practice. In the description for each episode, you will find information about the theme for that week's session, including an image of the related artwork. Our Mindfulness Meditation Podcast is presented in partnership with Sharon Salzberg and teachers from the New York Insight Meditation Center, the Interdependence Project, and Parabola Magazine. If you'd like to join us in person, please visit our website at rubinmuseum.org meditation. And now, please enjoy your practice. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Rubin Museum of Art and to our weekly mindfulness meditation practice. My name's Dawn Eshelman. Great to be with you. See you all here. We have been talking for about a month now about hopes and anxieties, hopes and anxieties. When we bring up this topic of the future, which is something that we've been talking about all year here at the Rubin Museum, hopes and anxieties are definitely a theme. And the artwork that we're looking at today, we looked at something similar from the same exhibition at the beginning of the month, and we thought we would close with some different selections at the end of the month here as well. So this is a monument to the anxious and the hopeful by Candy Chang and James R. Reeves. And it includes the hands of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of our visitors sharing with us their hopes and their anxieties for the future. And, you know, it's, it's really moving to spend a few minutes looking at this, if you haven't. It's just right up in our spiral lobby, right as you enter the museum. And I think there's something really powerful about this sense of anonymity and also collectivity. And people end up really sharing a lot with us here on these little pieces of paper. I was, uh, I think it's really useful to have this as part of our kind of evidence of our community in a way, no matter what's going on, but especially in times like these where there's just a lot to grapple with out there in the world. This has been a hard week. And in terms of just whatever's going on personally, of course, and where, where those places intersect. So to kind of build awareness and compassion and also to see, ah, I'm not alone, right? I have some, some of these same hopes and some of these same anxieties. 
And I bring that up today, too, just to acknowledge that certainly we come to our practice with a sense of relief that we have the sanctuary space, but also to remind us that we practice not just to get away from things that are challenging, but also to be better at engaging with them intentionally and really being with the difficult things. So these to me, as I was looking at them today, I thought of them also kind of as like thought bubbles for some kind of fantastical meditator. And I'm just going to read a few of them here to you. I'm, I'll read them all. I'm going to start from, from the end. I'm anxious because I can't let go. I'm anxious because sometimes I feel like a fraud. I'm anxious because too many thoughts consume my brain. Sounds like a meditator, right? I'm anxious because of not knowing. I'm hopeful because there is beauty in both solitude and connection. That reminds me of this group. I'm hopeful because my heart has great capacity. I'm hopeful because I am stronger than all of my fears. I'm hopeful because I breathe. So we're already doing that, breathing, but we will do it together and very intentionally here in just a moment. So delighted to have Rebecca Lee back. It's great to have you back, Rebecca. Rebecca is a Dharma heir in the lineage of the Cham Master Sheng Yen, and she started practicing meditation in 95 and then began to train in 99 with Master Sheng Yen. She trained with Simon Child to lead intensive retreats and then received full Dharma transmission in 2016. She currently teaches meditation and Dharma classes, gives public lectures, and leads retreats in North America and the UK. She is the founder and guiding teacher of Chan Dharma Community and a sociology professor at the College of New Jersey, where she also serves as the faculty director of the Allen Dolly Center for the Study of Social Justice. And you can find her and her writings online at RebeccaLee.org. Please welcome her back, Rebecca Lee. Thank you, Don, for your wonderful introduction. Um, to bring us to this space, as Don mentioned, that many of us think of meditation practice as our 10-minute escape from reality. Actually, if we really understand what the meditation practice is for. It is about allowing us and learning to be more fully engaged with reality. That includes everything that's happening outside of this hall. When we are interacting with people who may not think like us, with whom we may really disagree with whom we may not have a very um, loving relationship. So I really like today's artwork, um, people expressing the anxiety from our experience here now living in this world and with what's surrounding us, especially with the upcoming election. Probably many of you have been feeling that even more intensifying. And uh, I would say this is actually a great opportunity for us to learn how to make use of our 
meditative practice to live in this difficult time. So when we practice meditation in this simplified environment, in this hall, it is a way to train our mind so that we are able to settle the mind and allow us to be able to see the thoughts and feelings coming through our mind more clearly. Thoughts and feelings that we may not notice before. And also see that they are just thoughts. They don't have to control us. Only if we allow them to. They don't have to manifest into speech and action. We have a choice. And so the practice of settling our mind allowing us to see that it is possible to have this space that allow us to exercise choice rather than being pushed and pulled in our life by these compulsive thoughts and feelings that come through our mind. A few months ago, I was teaching a three-day meditation retreat. And one of the meditation sessions, we did a loving-kindness meditation. And one of the retreatants was very brave. She tried to do, uh, she tried to send loving-kindness to a politician that she really did not like. And when she was sharing her experience, it was very touching because it was very, very um, honest. She said she noticed that she couldn't even start because just the thought of that person brought up her, her, her heart pressure, her blood pressure went up so high she couldn't think. And she shared how it actually had been affecting her sleep. She couldn't sleep. is really devastating to her health. So, and this, this is only one of the examples. Many people have shared this experience with me in varying degrees. And this is why this is an important time for us to make sure that we apply the practice in our daily life. And in the coming weeks, we can make use of that, especially to apply the practice to look at what arises in our mind moment after moment and see if they are in accordance with wisdom and compassion. We are, there's no shortage of opportunity. In fact, that might be a news item or some comments that we hear, either being presented to us by the media or by someone we actually know around us. How do we respond? What arises in our mind when we hear that or see those messages? We might find that from time to time, or quite often, this anger or aversion or actually hatred arise. What is that all about? If we allow ourselves to really pay attention to it, are we saying in our mind things that really has to do with um, demonizing someone or really saying that um, they are horrible people, even though we don't really know that person. We only have been presented some fragments of what happened. Chances are these are not the entire situation. And we are so sure, just knowing a little fragment of something, we're so sure, I know, I know, I know the whole truth already. 
how can we be so sure? So all these thoughts that arise and feeling and feeling so convinced about how we already know we know everything that justify our response, we can examine them. The mind being more subtle allow us to see that, oh, wow, interesting. I really believe, I really believe, I know everything already, which is kind of quite not possible, but somehow we re I'm so convinced, and that leads me to feel and respond in this very uh, strong manner. So this is a great opportunity for us to practice watching our mind and also ask ourselves, hmm, when we see angry or hateful thought arising, actually I have students who always say, just kill them all. I was like, hmm, we might think that's a funny thought. Well, thoughts can be very powerful. If we allow them to perpetuate itself, thought after thought after thought. Because when these thoughts fill our mind enough, they turn into things we say. They turn into things we actually do. Thoughts are like seeds that we allow to be spread in a garden. And if we allow them to be fertilized and watered, they grow. And um, hateful thoughts are like wheat, they grow easily. We don't even need to fertilize them, they spread. And so what do we do? Practice is about taking good care of our mind, taking good care of our mind by like, when we see the thought that we thought, oh, wow, we notice that. And so that with enough clarity in our mind, we do not, we do our best not to give rise to another hateful thought. We stop it there gently. And that way we look after our mind and allow other thoughts to enter. The anxiety caused by too many thoughts causing confusion. Like, how about we have these people right here who are breathing and living that we can connect with? Do we remember to appreciate them? Do we remember to appreciate that I'm alive, I'm breathing? Every night when I go to bed, I appreciate the fact that I had a bed to sleep in. I have a roof over my, on my, uh, my head. Like all these things that's happening right here, right now, we have this very strong tendency to completely take for granted. And so that too is part of what's going on. So when we free our mind from some of those rapidly germinating, angry, hateful thoughts, that um, poison our heart, then we are able to appreciate also the beauty and connection that's also all around us. So a few things we can think about in practicing these few weeks. One thing that's really important in our practice is to learn how to work with ourselves. When we know clearly what's going on in our body and mind, then we make better decisions, wiser decisions that's compassionate for ourselves. For example, I know people who tell me I'm a news junkie, watch news, news uh, cable news, or all the news feeds on their phone, and it just makes them mad. And um, well, but the question is, why do you do that to yourself? 
Why do you do that? If if you can't help getting all upset by what's what you read and watch and hear, um, why do you keep inflicting pain on yourself? Is that in accordance with wisdom? Um, usually, we kind of have some sense of what's going on. We don't need to watch the same report over and over again 20 times in the day. Right? So that is something that we can do to improve our mental health and also to sort of keep out the seed of hatred or anger from entering and germinating and spreading in our mind. And um, also when we are looking at, when we are bombarded with messages that might be quite hateful or negative, well, we can think of them, these are gifts someone trying to share with us. We can say, acknowledge that is going on, so we're not pretending that it's not happening, but we don't have to accept them and take it as our own. We can say, no, thank you. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need this gift that you're trying to give me. And also, and we, um, we might also want to think about how we can um, be mindful as we are sharing these messages. Is it going to bring actually anxiety to someone else, trigger some angry response in them? Then if we're doing that, aren't we sharing gifts of poison to others. Maybe we don't have to perpetuate and share so much of that. So we can stay informed and engaged without getting embroiled in a lot of the agitation and negativity. If we allow ourselves to use the settled mind that give us clarity to see, hmm, what am I doing? And is what I'm doing bringing joy and happiness to others? Am I causing suffering to myself? If I'm doing, what I'm doing is causing suffering to myself, why am I doing it? Is it wisdom? So, well, of course, it doesn't mean that we um, turn away. Uh, some people might think that, well, like, what's the point of even going to vote? I actually heard someone saying that, because my one vote is not going to matter. Well, our democracy, however imperfect it is, is still something that a lot of people would, can only dream of in other parts of the world. And also, democracy is not something that just exists on its own. It is a product of all of us co-creating it. Like everything else, Everything is the co-creation of all of us. So what we do or do not do is going to matter a great deal to what happens to us, even though we cannot see it. So it might seem like that it's not consequential, but it's not true. Whatever we do or decide not to do will make a big difference. And so we can work with ourselves to look at in what way we can engage. I have friends who go canvassing in some neighborhoods. I, have, I know people who said, all I can do is to go vote. Very good, whatever that works with your causes and conditions. You have many things you have to do in your life. So when we engage 
we also need to learn to know that we have done our best and not be attached to the outcome. Because when we cannot let go, we get anxious. Letting go really is about accepting this is the current causes and conditions. We have done our best. We have all done things that we have done our best, and that's the outcome. It may not be the outcome that we have hoped for, but that's the outcome in this moment. But does it mean that it's wasted? No, because what we do now has consequences far beyond today, tomorrow, and next week. So keeping in mind that we are truly interconnected, that our action had ramification far, far beyond what we can see now. And maybe it will continue on beyond our lifespan. We won't see the consequence of our action. And keeping that in mind will allow us to be hopeful that we know we have great capacity for everything. Capacity to love even people we dislike. So let's take a few minutes to practice together. As we practice, we learn to relax our body and mind to connect with our innate wisdom, our innate capacity to love everyone unconditionally. And we sit with our body relaxed. We go through a whole body relaxation from top of our head. Feel the relaxation of the top of our head. And feel the relaxation spread to our forehead like melting butter, allowing the tension between our eyebrows to melt away. And feel the relaxation spread to the eyeballs and eye muscles. And feel the relaxation spread to our facial muscles. Check to see if we are holding tension in some areas like in the jaw or around our ears. And allow the tension to melt away. And feel the relaxation spread down the neck muscles. Down to the shoulder muscles. Allowing the tension we hold in these muscles habitually to melt away. Feel the relaxation spread down the arms all the way down to the fingertips. Feel the relaxation spread to the chest area. Allowing the tension to melt away. 
and feel the relaxation spread down to the lower abdomen. Trust that the skeletal structure can hold up the body. We can give these muscles a vacation. Allowing the tension to melt away. You feel the relaxation spread to the upper back. And spread to the lower back. And all the way down to a bottom, down the thigh muscles, and feel the relaxation to continue to spread all the way down to the toes. Feel the relaxation of the entire body sitting right here, right now. Moment after moment, allow ourselves to be fully here. Appreciating this unfolding present moment, fully experiencing the reality of our body and mind. Bodily sensations, thoughts, maybe memories, Watching them arise and then going away on its own. And if we notice ourselves getting drowsy or the mind going dull to bring up this wakefulness coming back to the body sitting right here Right now. We may feel the subtle movements of the body moving. That is the body breathing. Allow ourselves to fully appreciate this fact. We are alive.
that this body is breathing. How wonderful is that? We may notice difficult thoughts or feelings arising. We notice that cultivate this clear awareness of what's going on. Also allowing ourselves to see clearly that these are thoughts and feelings that are traveling through our mind. We allow it to be there and allow it to leave on its own, moment after moment, we cultivate this clarity of what's arising in the mind. to be more fully connected with ourselves.
Thank you, everyone, for coming. That concludes this week's practice. If you would like to support the Rubin Museum in this meditation series, we invite you to become a member and attend in person for free. Thank you for listening. Have a mindful day.